0: Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. This is the inerrant word of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, Of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this is your living word, and we are your people, your children redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Fill us this morning with your Spirit, that we might understand and apply your precious word, and that we might grow as obedient disciples, living sacrifices. For we ask this in the name of our Savior, and our Lord and King Jesus Christ. Amen. I think some of the uh, more mature aged among us here, remember the Art Linkletter show? I won't ask you to raise hands, but... You know, Art linkler he'd ask young children, um, well, some serious questions, and he'd get a lot of uh, interesting answers. Uh, for example, this one. There was a little girl who uh, went to a wedding. This was her first wedding, and she leaned over to her mom and said, you know, why is the, why is the bride dressed all in white? And this was a unique response, I kind of thought, but the, the mother apparently said, because white is the color of happiness, and today is the happiest day of her life, and So the child was apparently paused for a minute and said, well, okay, but why is the groom wearing all black? (laughs) You know, it's a logical question. And uh, then apparently at the same time, he asked another uh, young lady, she was 10 years old, um, but this young lady, uh, this was her comment about marriage, her general comment about marriage. No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before And you get to find out later who you're stuck with. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully you don't, too many of you feel that way very much. Um, Well, I think most of you know, well, we have many visitors who don't know, but my family, the Duff family, has had an interesting year. We've been learning a lot uh, about marriage this year. We're very thankful for that. And uh, I have a lot to learn about marriage. I still have a lot to learn about marriage and what my marriage covenant means after almost 30 years. And Sherry and I have learned a lot this year, as I mentioned. Uh, We've had two courtship processes that we're learning about. Uh, We've had Josh and Anna's wedding. It was a great blessing. We're helping Ashton and Jenny prepare. And uh, so there's been a lot going on in our family this year. Um, And we recently went through a DVD series. I think some of you have heard of this. It's called Love and Respect. It's by the Egrich family. And Lord willing, we will do that again uh, several times, I think, in the near future. Uh, We've done that once with four families from Dominion Covenant Church. And it it was a great reminder to us of the reality of covenants, especially our marriage covenant. It was a good reminder to us. And we all need to be reminded of covenants, what they are, how serious they are. And in Ephesians 5, this passage that we just read, this is one of the primary passages on marriage in uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, certainly. And uh, this is the passage that I read at Josh and Anna's wedding. And before doing that, I read, uh, reread a number of books uh, that um, helped me to think about some things to share with you this morning. And in in talking about covenantal love and respect, we're we're basically basically looking at two uh, relationships this morning. Two, Two relationships. Covenantal relationships. The one between a Christian husband and his wife, and the one between the Lord and his bride, the church. Now, the institution of marriage is certainly under attack. Would you not agree? It's always, it always has been uh, by the enemy, and it always will be. So we should arm ourselves with that fact that that attack will not end, and we need to um, understand our enemy's tactics a little more and uh, the means to defend this blessed institution from the Lord. Now, these attacks uh, seem to be more overt, it seems to me, uh, lately in our country. In fact, on many levels. You know, we have a president who uh, foolishly supports the breakdown of marriage in public. We have a, a public school system or a government school system that uh, indoctrinates uh, in many places those who attend it in perversions of marriage or, or they think that's fine. Uh, there's no problem with those. We have an entertainment system that generally will undermine marriage, biblical marriage, in as many ways as it can and as often as possible. So that's the culture we live in. And the enemy of the Lord will always attack marriage. And he will do that because uh, he is attempting to stop the expansion of the kingdom of the Lord and to stop the restoration uh, that uh, the Lord is uh, doing through his people. But the gates of hell will not prevail and uh, cannot uh, prevail against the Lord and his covenant people. Now in this passage, verses 23 through 33, it's related, of course, to its context. And you should always look at a verse or a passage in its context. And in this context, uh, it's the outworking, actually, of verse 21. If you just get back there very quickly, it's the outworking of verse 21. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It's talking generally to all of us. We are to live lives of submission. And this is the last in a list of the effects of being filled with the Spirit from verse 18. So Paul here is communicating before addressing the calling of wives and the calling of husbands in this covenantal relationship that we all must submit uh, to the Lord uh, and to each other in the fear of the Lord. Now regarding the mystery uh, mentioned in verse 32, verse 32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Uh, John Calvin said that he felt that uh, what Paul was saying here was that no language can explain fully the depth of the meaning of this union. This union is very hard to describe and to understand, to comprehend. So basically, Paul is astonished here at the spiritual union between Christ and the church, and we should be too. Uh, and Calvin said this, for my own part, I am overwhelmed by the depth of this mystery and I'm not ashamed to join Paul in acknowledging at once my ignorance and my admiration. And I would say, Amen. Uh, I reread for this study uh, several works by R.C. Sproul on marriage. And this is a rather long definition, so bear with me. I'll probably read it twice. Uh, But he said, Marriage is a call for two people, husband and wife, to set aside their own preferences in the interest of living before the face of God in such a way that shows the world why the Christ-Church bond is the most beautiful relationship in all creation. Marriage is a call for two people, husband and wife, to set aside their own preferences in the interest of living before the face of God in such a way that shows the world why the Christ-Church bond is the most beautiful relationship in all creation. And if you've thought about that lately. It is a beautiful relationship and should uh, point to uh, that and have its strength in the beautiful covenant relationship uh, between the Lord and, and the church, between the Lord and us. Now, in preparing for this message also, I reread several books um, by Doug Wilson and, and by his wife, actually, too, and, and a few others, but the, the book by re- called Renewing Marriage by Doug Wilson, I would highly recommend, and Federal Husband, and in both of these, he talks quite a bit about uh, the covenant of marriage, especially in Federal Husband, you know, what is a covenant? What does it mean to be a Federal Husband? Um, and because of our, our relationship with the Lord, and as uh, husbands and wives, and as members as we saw this morning, are based on covenants. And we are here at DCC. Uh, we, we seek to look at the scriptures, all of the scriptures, from a covenantal perspective. It's on our name. It's part of our name. So, as we saw this morning, the Simmons family covenanted with us. And we covenanted with them. And on page 7 of the membership booklet, I'd like to read, this is under the heading, I believe in an every member church, or an every member ministry. As a member of Dominion Covenant Church, I understand and will endeavor to fulfill my responsibilities as part of this covenant family in at least the following ways. And there's a list. I'm just going to read two. I believe that I am called by God not only to be ministered to, but also to be a part of the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. And then I will obey the commands of Scripture, which call for a covenantal relationship to one another. And there is a list of 39 one another verses here. Uh, many of them, quite a few of them, uh, have to do with the covenant of love, that, that we will love one another. And so I would like to read a few that have to do with uh, respect. Uh, we read those probably, uh, we, we don't hear as often about those. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12. Stop passing judgment on one another, Romans 14. Accept one another, Romans uh, Romans 15. Be subject to one another, Ephesians 5. Do not speak against one another, James 4. Do not complain against one another, James 5. This is what it means, Uh, a large part of what it means to be a member of this local body and in the body of Christ is uh, covenant respect, covenant love. R.J. Rushduni, in some of his works, he said this, what is greatly needed Within the Christian community is a restoration of the covenantal aspect of marriage in the family. In other words, it's kind of being lost. We're forgetting this. Marriage is a covenant of law under God between a man and a woman. It places both under a Christ-centered sphere of life and responsibility. Now, Before uh, our Heavenly Father laid the foundation of the earth, he had already selected his bride, a bride for his son, the church, the elect of God. In Ephesians 1, it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us in love. And he chose us to be uh, uh, holy and without blame before him in love. We'll talk a little bit more about how he's doing that in just a minute. And we see in this passage in Ephesians 5 that Christian marriages are meant to be a reflection and a picture of the covenant relationship of the Lord and his church. And this relationship between Christ and the church is often uh, in Scripture uh, compared to a bride and a bridegroom. It isn't just in the New Testament. Uh, I was surprised. There are quite a few in the Old Testament that use this metaphor. And the Lord is preparing us, certainly for himself. He's making us ready as a bride. uh, And he's beautifying us. And, uh, of course, the church of the elect owes all its beauty to him. So let's learn a little bit more about how our relationships can reflect his covenant with us. First of all, um, point number one was, is regarding the example of our Lord in his love and respect. And he is our Lord and he is our example in all things. We must look to him to understand these things. So first of all, um, the Lord submitted. He was willing to go through the humiliation. Uh, he submitted, first of all, and to his parents. He respected his parents. He also submitted to and respected the law. He put himself under the law. And then he submitted to his father's will. In, in other words, he submit, he's, in the covenant of redemption, he submitted and he said, said, I will go through mocking and scourging and torture on a cross, and then I will die. Now in the Godhead, of course, the father is the, the head with regard to roles, and the son is equal in nature and being, but uh, he did not consider equality something to be grasped or held to, but he submitted himself in his role as Redeemer, as our Redeemer, which was not an admission of inferiority, of course, with the Father, and nor is a wife's submission to her covenant head an admission of inferiority as a person. Now, the Lord, this is the Lord's attitude in Philippians 2, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He is our example. And so there was a covenant of redemption in the Godhead before time, and thus and then uh, the covenant of grace was made to the people of God in time. And while on earth, the Lord said to his father, not my will, but yours be done. He was fulfilling the covenant he had made. In Hebrews 5.8, it says that, uh, this is while the Lord is on earth, though a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And we must learn uh, by observing him. So our Lord's submission and respect to the will of his father is a model for us. And uh, this is particularly noted in the calling of wives here in this passage as help meets, uh, in their relationship with their husbands. So wives, your respect, no matter how hard that may be sometimes, uh, reflects Your Lord's obedience and your obedience clearly points to him. Your submission points to the Lord Jesus. In fact, you can't submit without his power, without his example. And uh, he gives you the power to do that. Now, this is a prime way for wives, I believe, to show and tell the world about their Lord and is, in fact, a way to testify to the gospel. Ladies, if you want to share the gospel, to share about your relationship with the Lord more powerfully treating your husbands with respect will give you that platform. That is your major platform, I would recommend. Now, because the Lord himself suffered and was was tempted to disrespect the will of his father, in Hebrews 2, it says, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Those who are tempted to be disrespectful to God-given authority. Now, second point, his love for his bride, the church, is a model for us also. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. This is how he loved us. This is how he is still loving us. So husbands, we are commanded to love our wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And the Lord is our example, and we are to be imitators of him. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dear children. We are called to be imitators. In Romans 5.8, most of you know this, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were uh, still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of Christ should be demonstrated. Men, we must demonstrate our love for our wives. In 1 John 3.16, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. In this is love, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So the Lord delights in his church, his elect, and he's told us this and he's demonstrated it in as clear a way as can possibly be done. And so should we all love each other. We're called to that level of, uh, to a much higher level of love. And we husbands in particular in the marriage relationship are called to delight in our wives and to demonstrate that often and to tell them uh, that often, to be sacrificial in that regard. Now, if some of you men, uh, maybe you've been married a number of years and you think, well, okay, I'm not doing that really well. I'm not really telling my wife I'm delighting in her. Maybe maybe you are delighting in her, but you're not saying that. Um, here's an idea. Okay, and you, you young men who are preparing for marriage, you know, put this in, in the back of your mind. Go up to your wife and say, Hephzibah, and see what they say. And some of you may, may know what it. Hebrew word means, say Hephzibah, and, you know, children might say, whoa, man, what's dad calling mom, or, you know, (laughs) um, what's going on, but Hephzibah is a beautiful Hebrew word, beautiful, it's a term of endearment the Lord uses for us, and we read this, one of the readings this morning that was in Isaiah 62, so if you would turn to Isaiah 62, just briefly, Isaiah 62, verses 2 through 5, Isaiah 62, Verses 2 through 5. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah, and your land Beulah. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married." For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And again, we don't understand love until we look at his love for us. Until we begin to comprehend that more, we are not as able to share that uh, love in a covenantal way. So Hephzibah means my delight is in her. So can you imagine going up to your wife, Hephzibah. Well, okay, you can just say my delight is in her. Uh, The Lord delights in us. The Lord delights in us. Amen. we have an example here of how the Lord looks on his bride and we need to tell our wives uh, that they are our delight and treat them in that way. Well, second major point, love and respect in the relationship of a husband and wife. Just very briefly, first about wives regarding submission uh, or honor or respect. Um, The passage is verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything so wives your submission and your respect are primarily to the lord first of all it's all of us are called to respect to uh, submit unto the lord uh, to honor him and then wives to your husbands as an expression of your submission and obedience to the lord Also because the Lord exhorts you to do this here, and it pleases him. It's part of kingdom building, and I'll mention that again in a minute. It's part of your role in kingdom building, and it's, I think, healthy to look at your submission in that way. It's part of your role in kingdom building. Now, this is one of the main ways, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, that you proclaim that the Lord is your Lord, ladies, wives in particular, and you can sh- then share the gospel to a world that really does not understand what submission is, really does not understand. In fact, submission is the dreaded S word in a, in a feminist culture. I mean, it's like, it's worse than a, a swear word. Submission, you know, it's, it's spit out like that. And uh, so, but wives, I believe, can uh, show clearly in their covenantal submission that Christians are different and help others to understand the covenant that we have in the blood of Christ—it helps them begin to understand that covenant. Now, wives and, and future wives, uh, God has made uh, your husbands to need respect. They're made that way. And uh, in the book uh, *The Fruit of Her Hands*, this is by Nancy Wilson. Uh, the subtitle is *Respect in the Christian Woman*. She said, uh, "This is, uh, shouldn't have been revolutionary, but I thought it was a good point. You—you you are called to be the major source of it. Wives are called to be the major source." of respect, the respect that husbands need to go forward and fulfill the dominion mandate as as it is in their lives. 1 Peter 3 says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, that is, they put on Christ, they adorned themselves with a gentle and quiet spirit, Uh, They who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. Now, uh, the opposite, or at least uh, part of the opposite, uh, opposite is partially expressed, I should say, in Proverbs verse, uh, tw- uh, chapter twelve, verse four. Proverbs twelve four says, "An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones." And we're reminded, actually, of of roles uh, even in the order of creation itself, in Genesis two. The man was created first and was given a position of leadership and authority and headship uh, for the husband is head of the wife. And the woman was made out of man and made differently, of course. 1 Peter 3 says, give honor to, as to the weaker vessel. And the role of the wife is to complement or to make up deficiencies, if you will, in the, uh, so the man can do what he's called to do. Uh, she's called to be a helper, comparable or suitable for him. And what husband here uh, couldn't speak at length about how necessary it is for his wife to do that. We know that. And how many of us would be able to function at all? How many of us could find anything in our house without... I mean, you know, that's a very minimal. but, you know, and it goes up from there. I mean, really, how many of us men could function at all? And uh, so our wives were were made uh, to enable us to fulfill our calling and to take dominion. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as a woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Part B, uh, regarding the husband's love and cherishing and sacrificial love for his wife. uh, Men, you might notice here that the larger part of this passage is about us. And we are called to be the head. We are responsible to lead and to guide and to love sacrificially. And just as Christ as our covenant head assumed the responsibility for the sins of his people, so we as husbands are called to assume covenant responsibility for the state of our marriage. The buck stops with us. That's what it means to be a federal head. And we're enabled, praise God, uh, by the Spirit to do that. Otherwise, we could not fulfill that. And by his grace, uh, we are able to love our wives in a way which transforms them. We have a role in transforming our wives. And the love which transforms is in verses 26 and 27. Uh, this is how it's lived out. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So man, we are called, in a sense, to beautify our wives as God sees beauty. And as the Lord is sanctifying us, he's sanctifying his church so that we have less wrinkles and spots and blemishes. Uh, So we are to bless our wives. Uh, Primarily, I think, maybe in three ways. First of all, we are to instruct them in the word by the washing of water with the word. We are to sacrifice for them as the Lord did for us, his bride, sacrificial love. And we are to take responsibility as the covenant head of this marriage relationship. And we should ask ourselves often, I believe, does my love for my wife reveal the marks of Christ's love for his church? Does my love for my wife reveal the marks of Christ's love for his church? And by God's grace, we are growing in this. Uh, But we all know there are times we don't do this very well. Now, it takes dying to self to sacrifice for others uh, because love is an action. We must do something. We are called to wash our wives in the word in as many ways as we can and likely that will always take sacrifice. I don't think it just happens. So verse 28 says, so husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Now the word nourish here means literally to feed. We're supposed to feed. So if we're wanting to nourish a Christian what do we do? Well, we have to give them something to feed on from the living word of God. So my suggestions, nothing new here, but share your devotions. This was mentioned earlier. So have devotions and share them with your wife. Read the word uh, together. Listen to the word taught together. Have family devotions. Uh, Memorize with your wife. Pray the word with them and for them. Any way you can help your wife or your brother and sister in the Lord to be washed and cleansed and um, beautified by the word. So husbands, that's our job. That's our office. That's our calling in marriage. Now it takes accepting, not abdicating our responsibility as covenant head to nourish our wives and to cherish them. We, We can't abdicate. We can try, I suppose, and we do try sometimes. But this is our office. So we made vows to be the covenant head. And all this uh, beautifies our wives as the Lord is beautifying his church. It's a great picture. And it takes constant work to help someone grow in holiness. Uh, the Lord is constantly working in us. Um, and men, like we, take care of our own bodies, right? We do it all the time. We we don't think about it. It's constant. And we're, a lot of us are careful. Uh, some of us should be more careful. Uh, but, you know, men, it takes a lot of work to care for ourselves, right? And to beautify ourselves. And it takes more time for some of us to do that. But husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. How do we do that? Constantly and carefully. You never let up. The Lord bestowed loveliness on his church through his love. We are called to do this for our wives, as imperfect as that may be. In Ephesians 5.1, I mentioned earlier, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And then it said, this is how you do that. You walk in love as Christ also loved us has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So husbands, our love for our spouse can be a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord, a sweet smelling sacrifice to him, an offering pleasing to him. And just like uh, also the submission of wives uh, can be a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord as they submit to their husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, uh, of course, we can't, allow, we can't let uh, our wives' refusal at some time, some point, uh, to submit properly be an excuse not to love them to the end. R.C. Sproul said, after all, that's not how Christ loved the church. Christ loved a church that was not submissive to him. Christ died for a church that was in rebellion against him. In uh, John chapter 15, it says now, we, we are all called to this, by the way, all of us, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then in um, the next verse, in the marriage relationship, the next verse um, says in John 15, 13, uh, this is husbands are in particular supposed to love this way. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Just as the Lord loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, our lives are not our own. We were bought at a great price. So we must glorify God by being living sacrifices to the Lord and thus for our wives. In Mark 12, it says that we should love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself, golden rule. And husbands, we have no neighbor, no one closer than our spouse. Ephesians 5.28 says, He who loves his wife loves himself. And you could, so you could call that verse the golden rule in marriage, I suppose. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now in marriage, husbands who sacrifice themselves for their wives show the self-sacrificial nature of the Lord in the redemption of his people. And wives who rightly submit to their own husband's authority remind people that we all must live in uh, submission to the living God and to his word. We proclaim to the world God's glory and our responsibility when we fulfill our rightful duties as husbands and wives to love and to respect. Now, husbands, do you want to share the gospel in a better way? I know you do. I know some of you have often told me, I don't do that very well at all. I I need, I I don't know why, I don't have power, I don't do it well. Um, Love your wives. This is one of the main platforms you have for declaring the love of Christ to the world. You remember the Iran Alive DVDs I gave out maybe three, four weeks ago? I don't know how many of you watched that, but there's a testimony about the pastor in there. And they did a study, uh, they, using this passage, they made a Bible study for Iranian Christians for the house churches and they sent them to the house churches so that they would grow in a knowledge of the word. Well, somehow it got disseminated among many who do not know the Lord and it blew them away. Many people became Christians because just reading that that's even a possibility, love and respect you know, wives are saying, I can respect my husband. There's power to do that kind of thing. And men who can love. And uh, as those believers are revealing that, uh, he was sharing on that DVD how many have become Christians because they long for that. But they don't, they've don't. they never seen it. They've never even heard of it. Now, the love and respect series I mentioned uh, earlier that we plan to do, Lord willing, soon, uh, there's a sentence in there. Uh, it's a good summary, I think. Marriage is a test and a tool. Marriage is a, marriage is a test, and a tool, to deepen, and to show, my love, and my reverence for Christ. Love is a test, and a tool. So it's a test, to deepen, my love, and reverence for Christ. It's a test. It's a sanctification, part of sanctification. And it's also a tool, to show, my love, and reverence for Christ, to anybody around me, my brothers, and sisters, in the Lord, and, and to the world. It's a test, and a tool. Now, I'd like to review very quickly. There are three cycles in the Love and Respect series, uh, the DVD. There's three cycles. The first one is called the crazy cycle, and it's the one that happens naturally because we're sinful people. Um, It starts out, I mean, you could start out in this cycle. The woman could start, I mean, chicken or egg thing, I guess, but let's say uh, without love, she, okay, we're going to start with the wife. Without love, she reacts without respect, okay? Without love, she reacts without respect, and without respect... He reacts without love. And it just gets going like that. It's a downward spiral, actually. So that's called the crazy cycle. You don't do anything in your walk with the Lord. That's probably what's going to happen. Now, the energizing cycle is uh, starts to get us back up out of this. It's uh, his love motivates her respect. His love motivates her respect. And her respect motivates his love. So you're starting to undo the, the bad one, the bad cycle. And... Um, The rewarded cycle is the one really is the gospel of grace. This is the rewarded cycle, the one we we need to get to, the one the Lord is sanctifying us for. His love blesses her regardless of her respect. Or you could say his unconditional love blesses her regardless of her respect, and her unconditional love, her unconditional respect, I'm sorry, uh, blesses him regardless of his love. That's the gospel. We, we can't do that without the gospel of grace, without the Holy Spirit. This is the power of the gospel. And, and this is why we can display uh, through our marriages the gospel of Christ. And we read uh, how Paul displayed this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 25. He said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. So he was expending himself, literally, physically, and they were loving him less. But didn't stop him. This is the rewarded cycle. His unconditional love was blessing them regardless of their love and respect. So sacrificial love. This is sacrificial love. This is the gospel of grace. Okay, third point, love and respect or submission in the relationship of the church to the Lord. I just have two points under each of these and two questions. How does the local church, how do we as the body of Christ here grow in our love for the Lord? First of all, two points. First of all, we love each other sacrificially. Um, if you want to look at the one another verses, there's a lot in the membership booklet. Love each other sacrificially. 1 John four twenty says, He who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? You can't say you love God and not actively or not be growing in your love for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That means us here as members of his body. Secondly, love his word. Love his commandments. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments, he it is who loves me. That's the proof of your love. Do you love his word? He who has my commandments. That means we, uh, what, what that means is we, we have them, we learn them, and we seek to apply them and do them. We're, we are word centered people. We, and we grow to be more word centered people. And we train ourselves in godliness. So, we, so ask the Lord to give you a love for his word. If it's not there right now, if you're dry, you want to grow in your love for him, ask him for a love for, you, for his word. Secondly, how does the local church, the body of Christ, submit to the Lord? How do we submit? How do we learn submission here? Uh, first of all, you respect God-ordained authority. And we've already talked about that part of wives and husbands. Uh, but first of all, regarding church officers, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Elders bear the keys of the church, keys of the kingdom and, and regarding discipline. But in the marriage uh, relationship, um, I'm sorry, parents, okay, forgot about parents. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your, Lord, obey, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the fifth commandment, and this is parents bearing the rod, which they've been called to do. And there's a general one in 1 Peter 5. It says younger people, it says regarding to all younger people, uh, 1 Peter 5 says, likewise you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. And then finally to civil authorities as they rightly bear the sword according to Romans thirteen four. Secondly, prayer. Prayer is always an act of humility. Basically you're submitting your will to the will of the Lord and uh, you're saying that you want his will to be done on earth and in your life as it is in heaven. So we need to pray that we will submit to the Lord by submitting to those he has called to serve us and pray that we will demonstrate the love of Christ to each other. Finally, the fourth point, love and respect in prayer. First Peter 3.7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, as the covenant head of our home, of your home, our prayer will be hindered. And thus our ability to lead as the covenant head of our home will be hindered if we don't dwell with our wives in an understanding and loving manner. And it's assumed here in this verse that we are praying, it's assumed we are praying. Dennis Rainey, some of you have heard of Family Life Ministries. He's had those for 20, 30 years, a long time. And he has these weekend conferences, and he always takes a survey of the families who come there. And uh, 8% of attendees who come there and say they're Christians, 8% of attendees say they pray on a regular basis, it, consistently over those many years, 8%. And I did another study. Uh, Barna has a study that showed it around 6%. But anyway, around that figure. And another statistic, one, uh, less than 1% of couples... Who pray together uh, like this will end their marriages. In fact, on the Barna study, it was a f- fraction—it was a small fraction—of couples who pray together will ever even get close to d- divorce. Now, you all know, uh, except for the visitors here, that our focus this year at Dominion Covenant Church is prayer. Has been prayer. We began the year with a sermon on prayer. Uh, we have prayed more as a congregation uh, after after eating. Um, we have the wind prayer, uh, ladies prayer meetings that are on a different day now and more people are able to go. We have the men's prayer breakfast, which I'd encourage you to think about, even though it's really early. Um, the elders, uh, as elders, in the beginning of the year, we committed ourselves to uh, much more time in prayer for uh, you all. And uh, we are encouraging you this morning to pray for and with, of course, your joint heir, your spouse, and to pray for uh, the fellow citizens of heaven here in this local body. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Prayer for and with each other shows that we really understand what our marriage covenant means and what our membership covenant means. If we're not praying, uh, it, it's doubtful that, that uh, the aspect of covenantal love and respect is active, uh, or as active as it should be. So as an encouragement in this, uh, we are planning a a one-day conference on prayer in November. I'll give you more details about that later. Also, uh, I have some prayer cards. Uh, It's titled, uh, Prayers for a Strong and Loving Marriage. You know, I've handed these out before. Uh, Please see me afterward, anyone, and I will give you one of those. So to conclude, prayer is a means of grace. Praise God. He gives us prayer. It's a means of His grace. Uh, and, and you all need grace, all you married people. You need grace to have a marriage that pleases the Lord and blesses many people. Uh, how can we think we are loving our spouse or loving each other here uh, or respecting our spouse or loving each other here if we don't pray for them and with them? So one of the most important ministries I would suggest in our church, one of the most important ministries for you all, for all of us, is uh, to pray. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your future spouse. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. We must be a praying church if we're going to live out what it means to be covenant people of God. And that is a huge impact. That will have a huge impact on our church, I'm sure. Uh, And it'll have a huge impact on our children and even on their future marriages, on future generations, whole generations of people. And then on our culture. We're praying that we will impact our culture here. Another, we believe that uh, the Lord will use us to take dominion through prayer. And we're called Dominion Covenant Church for a reason. And as we all practice this means of grace, may the Lord glorify his name as we covenantally love each other uh, as he loved us and as we covenantally respect each other so we will be a more beautiful bride for our Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do exalt you as our covenant-making God, and we praise you for your covenant of grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, help us to encourage and to bless each other and to be a light to the world, revealing your truth as we grow in love and respect for each other. Lord, fill us with your Spirit that our relationships will be pleasing to you and acceptable sacrifice. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.